everyone, and welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through their depictions in film and television. My name is Sam Chung, and I'm looking forward to this episode because today we will be talking about The Crown Season 3, Episode 6, uh, Tuasag Kemri, a.k.a. The Prince of Wales. Uh, Emmy Award winner Josh O'Connor has finally decided to show up here in Season 3 as... Uh, Charles and you know we, we make fun of Charles a lot but I thought getting Charles in here was really fun there's a lot to break down here but luckily I have some help joining me as always are my two co-hosts first a man who loves a proper cup of coffee in a proper copper coffee pot it is Ivan Vukovic Ivan do you know any good tongue twisters no <laughs> <laughs> but do you love coffee in a copper coffee pot I've never had it in a copper pot before. Like, wait, is is that what it's served out of or, or, or what they drink out of? I think it, well, no, who would drink out of the pot? It has to be what it's served out of. The pot would be too hot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was just picturing when you said, when you said copper pot, I was like picturing more so like those like little uh, copper mugs that you might see used for like a Moscow mule like cocktail. And uh-huh. I just yeah I, I yeah that's where my mind went. It, that'd be a really strange way to drink coffee. <laughs> yeah, it would be. I mean, I don't know that anybody actually drinks coffee this way. It might just be for the sake of warming up your vocals. Um all right. Also, back with us today, a woman who knows where the library is. It's Carlin Greenwald. Carlin, how long did it take you to find the library at your university? Um well, I actually know this cuz it was uh, the USC Libraries. I Despite the fact that I was a huge nerd, I didn't go into one until junior year when I had to like look up books for a paper. And then I discovered the stacks are like really scary and the Wi-Fi doesn't work in them. So like you go in them and you get lost and there's no one there's no one there to help you to find anything. So you're just wandering through this labyrinthian maze of like flickering lights and despair. And uh, that's the nice library. So, you know. <laughs> oh, there's a worse library? Yeah. Yeah, Doheny's the nice one. And then, oh, I forgot the name of the other one. <laughs> Maybe I'll remember it. Damn it. But... I-, I wish I'd gotten the library question because my university had some like interesting library situations happening too. Well, you can talk about your university's library. Like I- how long did it take you to find your university's library? Uh, Well... It was actually highlighted on the tour of the university that I took, Sam. <laughs> we actually had like two primary libraries at, at uh, University of Washington. There was like Odegaard, which was kind of newer. And that's where generally people like studied and they had like, you know, movies for rent and like a, a precious few books. And then you had like the older Suzla library, which had one quiet study room that was also re- referred to as the Harry Potter room because you step inside and you feel like you're in Hogwarts. Oh, Interesting. See, I have like much, much more insightful things to say about this than about copper coffee mugs. (laughs) Oh, well, I remember the name of the other library. It was called Levy and it was awful. I had to take a class in the Levy basement. Okay. But what, when was the class? What year was that? Junior year. Like junior. Okay. So you didn't find any library until your junior year. Or was it sophomore year? That one might've been sophomore year, but like that one doesn't really count as a library. It's kind of more of a study space. I mean, there were books there, but like you went in there to study. I mean, I think even sophomore year, these Welsh professors, if you haven't found it within the first five days, they're going to be very upset with you. I I knew where the libraries (laughs) were. I just didn't have a reason to go in. (laughs) 
the thing is, and, and maybe we're jumping ahead a little bit, like, but by the time we saw that library, like, I, I wasn't very impressed by it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sure Charles wasn't either. I mean, I used I had freshman year seminars, I think, in the library. There were a ton of classrooms in the basement. Oh, see, what's up with the library basement classrooms? Like, that's just a thing. <gasps> oh, yeah, I remember having one class in the library, and it pissed me off because it was so out of the way. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. And our classroom was right next to the bathroom, and no one cleaned the bathrooms in Levy Library. That was also a problem. This is USD, where they have like a billion dollars. They have such a big endowment, but they don't spend it on the anything important. <laughs> they just spend it on more future endowment. <laughs> uh, yeah, they spend it on scandals and football. That's scandals my hot, that's my hot take. It's really weird how like college libraries, like even, I mean, especially nowadays, but even when I was in, you know, school, like a little over a decade back, you still had like people pulling all nighters there to study or like work on an essay or something, which is strange to me because by then it's like libraries just as, as like a physical space had become somewhat obsolete. Like there, there was no piece of technology or resources in there that you didn't have access to from anywhere else on your laptop. And yet people were still doing all the studying and all and pulling all these all nighters there. Yeah, I think they like getting lost in the stacks and then no one can find them. So they are wholly alone with no distractions. That's all I got. But they're not even using the stacks. They're just like sitting out in the common spaces, like writing an essay. And I'm, I just like, I, I never did that because it, it just seemed like such an uncomfortable space for it. Yeah. Your your school's library didn't have any exclusive content to the University <laughs> of Washington. It didn't have like a rare book section or something. Uh, yeah, but I'm like I'm not even talking about using the books. Like I'm just talking about like just using the tables. Like that's what people did. Well, sometimes people just go because it's a quiet quiet space. Like the dorm can't always be relied upon to be a quiet space. Yeah, but like, I don't know. <laughs> All right, let, let's move forward. What, what right, are we so talking Ivan's about also today? never been to the library. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we dive into what we're talking about today, before we begin, as always, we just want to say if you came here because uh, you're, you're curious about like whether or not the events that happen in this episode are factually accurate, we have no idea. You come to the wrong place if that is your sole purpose for being here because we are not knowledgeable. We're not experts. We're basing everything that we know about the royal family from what we've seen on film and television and i was shocked this one did not get an end card so i'm assuming uh charles has never been back to wales otherwise <laughs> oh right yeah <laughs> i i was i was so ready for it to say like he went back to wales more often than any like member of the royal family in in known history but no oh nothing yeah he we and get teddy, no follow-up he and teddy remained like stayed in touch for like the rest of teddy's life or something nope got none of that so i'm assuming charles like never went back to wales uh, morgan's already like slandering charles the first <laughs> instant he can Yes, exactly. So, so, Sam, I feel like we're skipping the table setting. What 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 are we discussing today? Yes. Oh. So today we are talking about The Crown, <laughs> season three, episode six. You're gonna make me say it. Tuasag Camry. I think Carlin, you have a recap of the episode. Yeah. So we open up on a bunch of theater students doing warm up exercises, which is very unusual for The Crown. You know, we don't usually get to see young people. And then we pan over to Charles, who is an actor now. He's attending Cambridge. I think he's in his like third year. He's somewhere in the middle of his uh, his studies. He's having a great time. 
getting ready for uh, Richard the second. But meanwhile, Wilson has another discussion with like his people. They always have these, and this time the topic comes up. Wales kind of wants to secede, as it seems like every single island or people involved in the UK want to do. So today it's Wales. And so Wilson is like, goes to the queen and is like, you know, Charles is going to be introduced as like the Prince of Wales. He's going to do his traditional speech that like all the princes have always done. But what if we do something else? And this time we have him speak Welsh. And Liz is like, that's just a gesture. Like he's not a son of Wales. And Wilson's like, yeah, but, but, but can he do it? And so Liz and Philip, they then pull Charles aside in a very formal like meetup with like at least three people that didn't need to be there to be like, Charles, you're doing a semester abroad in Wales. You're going to learn Welsh. You're going to do your speech partially in the Welsh language. No questions. He obviously isn't happy about that, but you know, Charles has to go along because he is the future sovereign. And so then we are introduced to the Welsh professor who is then going to have to teach Charles Welsh. He is a radical separatist. He you know, 100% not pro-Crown here, not pro-England. He is kind of insulted that this was even presented to him, but their university is like, no, sorry, you have to do this. And he's like, okay, his name is Teddy. And so then basically Charles and Teddy meet, they start their lessons and it's sort of clear that Charles is just emo and not into this, like isn't taking it seriously to the point where he embarrasses Teddy at like a little university dinner thing. It's very clear. I mean, the the boy hasn't even been to the library, as we'll discuss later. And so Teddy really gives Charles like a talking to, like that you're about the fact that he's not taking this seriously. And then Charles actually starts to turn around and take it seriously. They start to actually connect. Charles starts going over to Teddy's house and gets to see what a real family is like. And it gets to the point where they start talking politics and Teddy explains like, all the subjugation that Wales has been under for all this time. And Charles is like, oh my God, it's like my life. And then he, you know, finds the compassion for Wales and he ends up writing his own speech for like the big Welsh speech. He figures his parents can't speak Welsh, so just like say whatever he wants. And he does sort of say a more radicalized speech about how Wales has its own history and should have its own voice. And then he's like, he's really proud of it. And then like he and Teddy leave on a good note. And then he actually goes and tours Wales, which I guess the other princes of Wales haven't done. And then he gets back home. And of course, Liz doesn't greet him, doesn't say good job, just just cold, nothing. And then he's like, I wanna go talk to my mom. So then she he gets like a really brief appointment. And in there, Liz is like, I, I had it translated. <laughs> I know what you said. You can't do that. The crown specifically does not have a voice. We like push away our individuality. And Charles is like, you do that. That's a choice. I don't want to do that. I have something to say. And then Liz is just straight up like, no one wants to hear it. And he's (laughs) like, do you mean my family or the country? And she's just like, no one. And that's how it ends. He goes back to college and does his really sad king speech. We assume this is Charles's villain origin story. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Carlin. Um, I'm going to say I really liked this episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. 
Um, I liked stepping away from uh, Buckingham Palace for a little bit. And what it kind of reminded me, and this is maybe a weird parallel to make, but it reminded me of like every kind of like generic sports movie. Yes, <laughs> that's it. Where you have like, uh, you know, maybe like this player and this coach who maybe aren't like supposed to get along, but then they find a way to make it work. And then there's a montage of him just like getting better and better. <laughs> Except in this episode, the sport is uh, giving a speech. <laughs> I just thought it was a lot of fun. I can't believe this Charles went to Gordonston. <laughs> yeah, so like how... So did he just go to that school up until like the end of like secondary school or or what we would consider high school and then he went to Cambridge after that? Yeah. Is that what we're led to believe here? Yeah, I guess probably that was like Liz and Phil's compromise of like you could torture our son for X amount of years but then he's going like the prissy path. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'll, he'll he'll attend like the Hitler Youth Academy until 17 and then he'll go to Cambridge. Oof. Yep. Carlin, did you know that it was Richard II or did you have to look it up? Because I had to look it up. No, I, I read on your notes. Oh, you read it on my notes. Yeah. Okay. Um, because I, lo- I had to look up what play this is because Richard II is not one of the, I feel like, maybe three Shakespeare things that we learn in school here in the States. I don't know if, Ivan, you you have any familiarity with Richard II. Uh, no. I mean, I, I saw the movie King Richard with Will Smith last weekend. <laughs> is that in the same, like, cinematic universe? Uh, I mean, I guess Richard II would be the sequel to King Richard. Okay, but like straight up. Okay, got it. <laughs> it was so on the nose that I have to assume that Charles once did play a king in a play. He better have. I need this. This just needs to be true. Yeah, I mean, as someone who had no familiarity with Richard II, it was, I feel like maybe if you did, you would know what was coming. Like, you know the passage maybe it's from, but at the end, I was like, oh, wow, this is very much like, <laughs> this really applies to him. <laughs> I, I imagine having that much relatability to a play about King from like 500 years ago. Yeah. Incredible. All right, so it took us six episodes to get Josh O'Connor as uh charles here how do we how do we think that uh he did i mean i really love him i think he's great oh he was great he was a delight like just a plus no notes yeah (laughs) yeah no he he does such a really immersive job where like i feel like even if you don't know exactly what charles is like you're like this feels like a fully formed person like he like the mannerisms, the way he speaks, the yeah, the way he carries himself, like it's all just feels so specific. One thing that I don't know if it was intentional or not, but that I noticed, especially at the end when he was talking with Elizabeth, was that he has a lot of like his like the cadence of the way that he spoke seemed very similar to Tobias Menzies. And I don't know if that was intentional or if it was just like if it just happens to be that they speak in a similar way, but I thought that was a cool touch. That, that's how you learn to speak at the Hitler Youth Academy. <laughs> I think it's the royal accent, but sure. Yeah, yeah it's the same thing. No, I mean, I, I think like uh, j- the whole presence of Josh O'Connor, I think is something that this season like 
sorely needed at this point yeah. because we had gone through five episodes of like focusing on you know characters that were now entering like you know middle age and uh, you know there there was a kind of like a like a loss of youthfulness in the sh- that the show had in the previous seasons um so like this was just the shot in the arm that the series needed like yeah because all these other you know actors that now make up the cast they're you know older more established actors whereas josh o'connor is a very fresh and charismatic face and yeah i mean it just he he breathed a whole lot of life into the the season uh, that we're now halfway into yeah and i think we got more Anne. it was great like she's doing a fantastic job like it's just sort of nice to see younger people interacting and reacting to this world like you said yeah we just don't quite get that perspective from the first half he at this point is probably still like a little young, I mean, yeah, like a few years younger than Elizabeth was when she, uh, you know, uh, took over the crown. So like, really, this is probably like the youngest character that the show has ever focused on, right? Yeah, I think so. Carlin, on your note, we got Anne back here as well. And I thought it was it was fun seeing the way that Charles and Anne interact with each other, um, especially given that we've seen so much of the way that like Elizabeth and Margaret interact with each other. But Charles and Anne's relationship is very unique, I think. It seems like neither of them really want this role, um, and they both (laughs) have different relationships with Elizabeth specifically. And I think it was fun hearing them both talk about it, uh, because we've obviously heard kind of it secondhand from Philip about kind of how she doesn't like Charles. But to see him talk about it and to see Anne talk about it as well, I thought was... uh, was a good way to to bring it some new perspective onto it. Yeah, you definitely get the impression that like throughout their childhood, they were like each other's like primary family and like primary like person they would interact with. And so I think it's sweet, like as much as I wish they had shown that in the previous seasons, like it's kind of nice to get that relationship here and see a little warmth. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that scene where where, you know, uh, Charles and Anne are discussing him, you know, going off to Wales. Um, yeah, it, there was a really interesting dynamic at play there. And, and that brings me to my uh, Kinking Crown Award uh, nominee <laughs> for the week. Oh, my God. I think we have the same one. Yeah, I think I know where you're going. But yeah, no, I mean, it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, those are just some really interesting kids, aren't they? They really are. And I mean, is like, it the whole wait, what is a it life the, they've had? Is it the whole moment with the kiss and then the punch to the gut? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, really, just the <laughs> so whole package. Weird. But <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, but um, but yeah, it, it's interesting because uh, you you do get this sense that like Anne, uh, you know, compared to Margaret, who was you know uh, the younger sister sister to the uh, the heir apparent. Um, yeah, you know, Anne, like, I think very, like, just blatantly has no interest in, you know, being the sovereign. Like, she is more than happy to kind of let uh, Charles take the limelight. And and uh, this example of, you know, the type of duty that he has to fulfill as part of his, uh, you know, role in his um, uh, journey, like, you can tell that, like, if, if she had any desire to to be the queen, just looking at what Charles has to do and going off to Wales, I mean, she, she was very overt about, about it, but I think it was a sobering reminder for her that she doesn't want any of that nonsense. It was interesting for Anne, I think. Her position on it seemed to be, like, because Charles mentions that pretty much Elizabeth just bullies him. And Anne's position was like, I wish mom would bully me. <laughs> I know, it's so sad. <laughs> Your two options are being bullied or being ignored. 
I wonder, part of me wonders, like, where does, where does this come from for Elizabeth? Because, like, as far as we saw her relationship with Birdie, and even with her mother, like, it's never, like, toxic, you know? So <laughs> why does she act this way? Um, <laughs> yeah, there, there, the crown there's ruined no strain. Her. Yeah. Like, no, no strain in, like, uh, Elizabeth's relationship with her parents. Like, something went wrong, like, <laughs> at the stage of Elizabeth's parenting. <laughs> And they, haven't they said that's been a problem for, like, the whole time? I still go by Mike's theory where he was like, yeah, Charles is a reminder to Elizabeth that she's going to die. But then I don't know what's up with Anne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but like, I mean, but why wouldn't, like, Birdie have felt the same way, right? Like, I guess Birdie didn't care. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, so there's something up with Elizabeth. But, like, we know from that other episode, she doesn't feel emotions, so... Maybe this is that. But okay, let, let, let's actually go back to that, like, you know, line from Mike Parker that, that where, you know, his theory is that Elizabeth feels, you know, somehow like, you know, I don't know if resentful is the right word, but apprehensive of Charles uh, because he's going to, you know, take her place one day. But this makes so little sense because she became queen at such an early age and she will hold on to that title for many, many decades uh, as as we now know in the real world and, and but even like even if she had like given herself a life expectancy of let's say 78 like that still leaves her with you know five decades of being the queen like th does she really feel like she's under threat by charles like you know if i were her i would just kind of look over at him and be like yeah you you're gonna take over this bullshit one day have fun i i always thought it was more of an existential crisis of like i have to look at my child and know that in someone's mind the reason i had this child was so i could die that's how I had interpreted that. Like, it didn't have to do with the duty. It just had to do with, like, morality or mor mortality. That's the word. I I don't know. Don't know if I buy that because, like, it, it, like, let's say Elizabeth lived in a world where, you know, Edward hadn't abdicated and, you know, she she is no she's not going to grow up to be the queen. She's still going to get married and have kids like she's still a member of the royal family and, and probably going to, you know, create some devilish spawn either way <laughs> i i don't know i think i lean more t i side more a, a little bit with what you're saying ivan and i think another part of this that is interesting right is obviously we have the you know the ability now in 2022 right to say hey look charles never became king there's a <laughs> there's a chance a non-zero chance that he actually dies before he even like gets oh the opportunity <laughs> Um, but I will say based on how he read his speech, like he seems like he could have done it. His speech seemed to have gone pretty well. He spoke pretty eloquently in a language he didn't wait, know. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait, 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 Sam, your, your argument for why Charles is going to do a good job at his duties as king is that he spent three months preparing for one speech and he delivered that speech well. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what else is there, really? Like, everybody... I Three mean, months for one speech. In another language. Like, <laughs> give me a weekend and I will learn that speech phonetically. Sure, but I mean, he didn't He didn't stutter. He spoke pretty eloquently. It wasn't like... I mean, you could say the same thing about Birdie. Three months! You could say the same thing about Birdie. He needed to go to... what is What was his face? Lionel, Lionel. for like years <laughs> before he could make a speech. Yeah. 
but but Charles didn't even have that like challenge. He didn't have he he wasn't like speech impaired in any way. He in fact like <laughs> he was he was good at tongue twisters. He was on stage. He knew how to present publicly, and yet he spent three months learning his speech. And that's your argument for why he would make a good king. I, mean, I don't think that being prepared is a bad thing. I'm just saying like he speaks very well. Um, he obviously has experienced public speaking. I think that he was asked to do something and he did it well. <laughs> I think he's going to make a good king for like two episodes and we're going to change our mind. <laughs> In my mind, I need to see Charles like ramp up on something a lot quicker than the span of three months for, for him to impress I'm me. Confused. What well, do you didn't mean? He like, have, like the, he was allotted three months. I, I think we don't know how fast he could have actually done it. Yeah. I mean, he got his headset. He could have done it right away. But like, <laughs> I'm just like, what, like, what is the, what is the monarchy really? If not just all this pageantry, he did fine at it. Like, I don't know what yeah, you need to see from him. Fine at it. You need to see him like actually like go negotiate something. He's never going to be asked to do that. All I'm saying is that <laughs> your bar seems so low. <laughs> I, I'm saying, you know, until you fail, you get like, if the bar is set at a C, I think he did like a B. You know, at least. So so it took him three months to go from a C to a B? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 you and, and in your mind you see that and you're like, oh, that's a king right there. I mean, I didn't see anything that showed me that he couldn't do it. Like I didn't see any red flags here. I think the tongue twister like ramble that he went on was a better dem demonstrator of his ability to be king. You think than him just doing taking a tongue three twister to learn one speech? Not a speech that has national ramifications in a foreign language. You think that the tongue twister is a better indication of how he will perform as king? <laughs> Charles yes, is so because you know what? Because you know what? Let let's let's see Elizabeth do that tongue twister. Oh my god. I, I was surprised, yeah. <laughs> Charles seems like he has more hobbies and more skills, which like I will give to him. I like to think every generation is gonna be like more interesting than the next one, than the one before. <laughs> like, yeah, he got some personality, I like that. He could do tongue twisters. And not for nothing, Charles can also drive an automobile. Oh wait, I think Liz can do that. She was like an auto mechanic. <laughs> we just never get to see her drive. She was a mechanic. Have we ever seen her drive? Yeah. Ever? Yeah, we did. Oh, there was like, wasn't there like one time maybe like at Balmoral where she was hunting? <laughs> I think she she's like driven at driving. least twice in this series. <laughs> you think someone can become a mechanic but not know how to drive? <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? Oh, that'd be great. Char Charles was in a car alone. Wait, which actually, let's talk about that for a second. Why was the future king of England driving a car alone? That seems like a huge like security well, lapse. If we remember in Spencer, Diana also got to drive alone. So maybe sometimes they can just go rogue and people get mad at them later. I would say, I think that a lot of it was a little bit confusing for me. Like they sent uh, Michael Adine there to like introduce I guess the concept of Charles coming, like was Michael Ledeen there the whole time? I'm like, did he have a presence there or was he just there alone? Oh my God, that's true. I would assume Michael Ledeen wasn't there because Charles definitely felt like he was getting bullied. <laughs> you think Michael Ledeen would have stepped in? Stop bullying Charles. <laughs> or Wait, I, remind I, me, my, Michael, was, Michael was there like earlier on just to kind of like broker the entire arrangement with the university, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, see that, yeah, that's weird that he went. That seems more like a Martin task. Oh, uh, that's interesting. 
Guys, because be you honest, think Michael would stay with Liz? I don't know the difference between those two guys. <laughs> and I haven't figured it out this entire time. <laughs> well, no, I think like I think like because Michael Adeen's like the, you know, head private secretary or whatever his title is, yeah, I assume he's gonna stay, you know, near the queen whenever possible. Whereas like if somebody needs to be dispatched to go deliver a message all the way to Wales, you you wouldn't think it would be the queen's right hand man. It would just be, you know, one of the underlings. Well, this is very important. He's a future king of England. All right, so this is our second trip to Wales in the past four episodes, uh, but we get a, we definitely get a different look at Wales in this episode, I think, than we got in episode 303, which obviously was kind of based upon this tragedy, and no one was really in the mood to call out the queen at that moment, <laughs> it seemed. But here we get a version of Wales that is just very discontent, and it's led by Teddy, who, of course, will become Charles's tutor. How did we feel? Do we like Teddy better than Liz's tutor? Who is the better tutor? Oh, man. I mean, like, I liked Liz's tutor in, like, a fun old man way. But this tutor, he he grew up. I mean, like, I understood why he didn't like Charles. And I thought it was kind of sweet that he, like, took any sort of time to, like, understand Charles emotionally like i think that was a sign of a really good tutor so i liked him i kind of hoped that they did keep in touch but apparently that didn't happen <laughs> but yeah i liked him I, I got a question yeah okay so yeah so this professor took pity on charles because he saw that like you know charles was struggling and like you know was wasn't connecting with anybody at the university socially. So, you know, he invited him over to his house. You know, they they had dinner with, uh, you know, the professor's wife and he met the son and everything. But like, is it that realistic that Charles would go to a university anywhere in the United Kingdom and not be able to make at least a friend or two? No, this totally checks out. He seems like a big nerd. I will say in this episode, that's the one thing I felt that was a little bit lacking was uh, like they obviously we kind of get the narrative that Charles feels uh, very isolated. Um, but I feel like we didn't see it a lot. We saw that one scene right where his neighbor is playing music and shuts the door on him. But I feel like they could have done a better job at kind of like showing him either trying to like interact with people and it just not working or kind of like going to class. And I just, I just feel like there wasn't a ton there. Yeah, that, that's what I don't buy. Like, like there there must have been some, you know, 21-year-old at that university who would have at least wanted to befriend Charles in an opportunistic way. Like, like I mean, you've got the future king there. Like, this would be the time to kind of, like, get into the inner circle, right? Or, or like, you know, if you were, you know, a young woman there at the university, wouldn't you have thought, like, well, you know, there is an off chance right now that I could become queen if I play my cards right. Oh, that like, is no true. one did that? I, I had assumed the university was so radical that everyone there would, like, hated Charles on principle. <laughs> but you're right, there would be some people that would uh, be taking the social opportunities. Because they did say he was doing really well socially at Cambridge. So clearly... He has friends and assumedly he's probably having some girlfriends over there too. You gotta yeah, I, I kind of bought it just in the way of like, it seemed like he went to class, he went home like with his food, sat in his room. I know that life. You don't make friends that way. <laughs> that, yeah, I just wish that we had seen it, I think yeah. is like, rather than just him kind of like talking about it. 
just ranting to his sister who like, what is Anne doing? Where does she go to school? She seems like she's having fun. Anne is just setting up her, her grandmother with random journalists. That's what she does. That is what she does. Wouldn't Anne already be also like university age at this point? Uh, yeah, I think she'd be like, probably like we're going talking like freshman, junior, maybe like sophomore, senior. So I think they're really close right. in age. All right. So we also, we have the privilege as well of meeting Teddy's family. They're a family of nationalists and separatists. Um, his wife is even more intense about it than he is, which I thought was hilarious. Oh, yeah. But even she was like, this this man is so pathetic. I, I do feel bad for him. Can you imagine just strangers in like a foreign country being like, oh, I see your mommy issues. They're, they're written right across your face. Oh, my God. Yeah. When um, So there's a scene in the episode where Charles is watching, I guess, Teddy and Sylvia put their son to bed. And then later, Sylvia and Teddy are kind of like breaking down what happened. And Sylvia comes to the conclusion that maybe Charles just never had anybody to put him to bed. And that led me to believe that when he arrived back at Buckingham Palace and asked to see Elizabeth, he was going to ask her to put him to bed. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I was also I know that there was that like protocol that you I, I guess you can't just like go knock on Elizabeth's door, even if you're her son. That's so that is sad. kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know. Imagine just like not having that access to like your parent, <laughs> like just no, to weird. tell them something. It's weird. I understand why every member of the royal family is kind of messed up. If that is like protocol. Yeah, I mean that that moment bummed me out quite a bit. I I, I felt <laughs> yeah. for Charles. Like I mean, no, you guys yeah. are making you're you're laughing. You're making light of it, but no, that no, is I'm just laughing really because really it was sad. so sad. <laughs> no, it is sad. But I think so. I think over the episode, we come to the, I guess the arc of this episode. Right, is Charles comes in and he doesn't know anything about the country for which he is named. He learns that you know what they do have a point of view that is accurate um and warranted that he's shown the picture of the town that's now underwater because it's now a reservoir to uh send drinking water over to liverpool and he's like hey you know what maybe they're right <laughs> maybe i'm the bad guy yep so then earlier liz and phil are like hey you know what maybe charles should uh you know write some of this speech himself I was shocked by this. I was floored. <laughs> I know. Yeah. They seem to just not trust him so much. This is, this is, a, th these were parents who, like, <laughs> you know, fo following a dispute, sent him to the Hitler Youth Academy when he was like 13. Yeah. And or then, younger, yeah. you know, when he finally, es yeah, when he finally escaped and got to spend a year or two at Cambridge, halfway through, they decide to send him over to Wales where he's going to be university revi universally reviled by everyone around him. And like, despite all of this, they're just like, yeah, let's throw him a bone and let him write two sentences. Like, you know, that'll cheer him up. They, they really, I feel like they've never had a conversation with Charles longer than like one minute and they don't let him speak <laughs> during those conversations. Like, Imagine just inflicting that much, like, torture on your child. Yeah. And, like, a sensitive child, too. That brings me to another, uh, like, a thing I wanted to talk about. So that scene toward the beginning of the episode where the entire family is gathered to, like, yeah, why break the news there? to Charles that he's going. Why Why was Dickie there? Like, uh, I think the Queen Mother was there. But, like, uh, but Dickie especially. Like, Isn't Dickie, like, his like, mentor? Why, 
That's true. Dicky I mean, did take him on like his uh, wardrobe, <laughs> right? Well, didn't they say wasn't one that of was the like ten that, years ago? Okay, no, but remember when Elizabeth was like dressing down Dicky? She was like, "You're supposed to be mentoring Charles." That's true. That was just last episode. So maybe he's actually following through. Yeah, because mm. Dicky was everywhere okay, in this okay. episode. He was but, the first person to really like show up. From the royal family at the university to take, well, I guess to get Charles ready to go and then to take him to the castle where he would give his speech. So Dickie is, Dickie is all about making, uh, making a good impression right now. Yeah, although I don't know what Queen Mother was doing there. I don't know what Anne was doing there. Again, this felt like an exercise in humiliation, like, because he can't really protest properly because then you look like a dick in front of your, like, grandma. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do it. All right, so what I was getting to, though, was that even though they're like, no, Charles should not do this, he does it anyways. He ends up making an addition to his speech in Welsh that's basically like, you know what, Welsh people, you're right, and we should do a better job of, you know, respecting what you value and what you believe. And it's crazy to me that this was not vetted by anybody before he said it. I can't believe we didn't get reaction shots of like everyone who speaks Welsh just being like <laughs> jaws on the floor. Like, oh my God. That's wild. And it's also crazy to me that the BBC decided to broadcast this. And I'm assuming it went to everybody in the UK. I'm not sure how many of them actually speak Welsh, but it had to have been subtitled. No. Like, oh, maybe not. I mean, maybe they don't care. You also have to wonder, like, because, like, Charles apparently had, like, the the insight to realize that, like, hey, maybe, you know, recognizing some of the divisions between, uh, you know, the crown and Wales would actually be probably a, a savvy move on my part um, and might even, like, you know, it's not going to solve everything, but it will at least, like, you know, kind of bring us together, uh, you know, and and. Not, I mean, not in solidarity, but at least like, you know, some some sense of like, hey, I see you, I hear you. And, you know, I, I, I'm i aware of, of your struggles. Like, I think that was a good move on Charles's part. And obviously, Elizabeth disagrees. But like, why? Like, why? Why isn't Buckingham Palace like engineering a speech that is at least in, in part like designed to curtail some of these like separatist movements? I think that they're worried that the UK will collapse and everyone will leave them. And it'll be like the same trauma from when the British Empire collapsed. I don't know if she thinks that much. That's what, that's what I'm assuming that what they're trying to do there. But that's what I'm saying, though. Like, why, why, why is like, why is the Buckingham Palace's like official stance to just like deny and not acknowledge any of the divisions when when clearly like it could become a bigger issue were it not for the fact that like somebody in this case Charles was willing to speak up and at least like acknowledge that there was tension in the air I mean I think knowing what we know about right like the the clashes in Ireland between Northern Ireland and the rest of Ireland like this just doesn't seem like a strength of the royal family yeah they were fully prepared and maybe this wasn't the royal family i'm not really sure who's presenting this they're like let's do this the same way that we did it last time tanks military troops 21 gun salute military show oh like, my god yeah <laughs> not a lot of tax these, these people are fucking morons <laughs> like <laughs> they really I'm just, are <laughs> i'm just gonna say it like they are so tone deaf yeah incredible really the level of tone deafness that they possess um 
I really want, like, if King, like, Charles becomes king, I hope he just, like, immediately is like, Wales, you're free. Go. Do you think, all right, so do we think, back to Charles specifically, there's an alternate universe where he's not, he's not the heir to the throne, and he just is an actor. Like, is this Charles's calling? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, he seems like he, I think he, yeah. <laughs> like, do, do you think that possibly, yeah, in this timeline that you're describing, uh, you know, following Timothy Dalton, there was a Charles Windsor Bond movie. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would think yes, right? Um, like Daniel Craig, get out! <laughs> I, I oh, no offense to Char. No, I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> say it. I just say it. Does he have a movie star face? No, you're right. He doesn't. No offense, Charles. Josh O'Connor does, but uh, Charles. Maybe he'd be a Bond villain. Oh, he'd be so mad. He's already oh, villainized in go. his real life. But, no, but not in the timeline that we're talking about. That's true. In this timeline, he's happy. He's well adjusted. <laughs> yeah. He has a, a good relationship with Elizabeth, who who like runs horse tracks in Kentucky. Like this is a completely different world. Like oh, man. Al Gore won the election in 2000. <laughs> like it's a real like, great like, world here. Everything's going rosy here. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. This alternate universe really grew in a way that I was not expecting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm just looking out, looking through my notes at uh, anything that we might've missed here. And th- 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 this is where like, this is going to be borderline offensive. Okay. But can we talk about the Welsh language for a moment? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, like off- off- offensive isn't the, the the right word. Maybe just like naive. But I, I, okay, like I feel like I have an okay ear for like languages and picking up what general region of the world they're from. Like, you know, I can, you know, tell the Romance languages, like apart from the Slavic languages, you know, East Asian languages, I feel like I can disambiguate between a few of them. Welsh, I don't think I would ever, (laughs) ever just like identify out in the wild. And like, and I say this like, just in a completely neutral way, just as an observation, I don't think there's any language in the world that sounds closer to like Tolkien's Elvish than Welsh does. does I think it, that was the point, right? Doesn't when he Gaelic wrote it? sound that way though? Yeah, I think Gaelic is pretty similar. I've never heard Gaelic. Go go to Wales. Go, go to, to Ireland. Scotland. Go to Scotland. Yeah. I'm going to Scotland. All right, then. Yeah. Hopefully we get to hear out. some language. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what Tolkien was going for. I think it was. Um, I feel like especially with like the elf, the elfish language, right? I feel like he had said something that it was based upon like Gaelic and Welsh. I don't know. I could be misremembering that. Interesting. But okay. That checks out. Hearing the um, hearing that the hardest word in the Welsh language is atmosphere, I really wanted to hear a Welsh translation of Drops of Jupiter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, and it's like that's like the first line, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, if if you if you fuck up like right at the top, like that just throws off the the rhythm of the entire song. I mean, there were. I think we alluded to the king's speech earlier. There were shades of the king's speech in this episode. I mean, a little bit. like Josh O'Connor literally says, "I have a voice." Oh, it's yeah. uh, he does. <laughs> yeah. And he really just got shot down. It's too bad he never really got to meet Birdie in a in a significant way. They probably would have been friends. Wait, wait a second. You, you, I just, it just occurred to me. Um, 
earlier we posed the question of like who had the better uh, tutor? Was it um, you know Charles or was it Elizabeth? What about Birdie with Lionel? Let's you throw can't. him into the mix. I feel like you can't beat Lionel. He did something massive. I like Lionel's my favorite. Yeah, I mean, I, and we know that Lionel and Birdie stayed in touch for the rest of Lionel's life. And you know how we know that? There was an end because card. there was there was an end card. <laughs> yes. I feel like every episode this season has had an end card. How did we get no end card? <laughs> Someone, I really, for Charles's sake, I hope they forgot to put one. But like, <laughs> no, because they made that they they specifically mentioned that they were like, you're just going to be another Prince of Wales who does his like does his time and never comes back. And I, part of me was optimistic. I was like, well, maybe Charles is different. And as the episode was going on and he was really forming a, a bond with Teddy and he was like going out on the cliffs and he was then going to do his four day tour of Wales and shake all the hands and say hello to everybody. I was really optimistic. I was like, hey, maybe Charles is different. Maybe he'll turn the tide here and give, uh, show some respect to the Prince of Wales title. Nope. The episode did not no. want me to think that. <laughs> Well, because we, we, we just don't know what, what's going to happen from here. And based on what we know uh, about real life, this is like Charles in like the Phantom Menace stage of his journey. Like he, <laughs> he, he has not even been touched by the dark side yet, but oh, th this is God. where it all begins. <laughs> oh, your opinions on certain future characters. <laughs> yeah, it's not until we get the Hayden Christian sin, <laughs> Charles, <laughs> that things will go off the rails. So That's season to four, me. yeah. <laughs> Josh O'Connor really wasn't in this series as much as um, the other cast members. Like, I think of him so vividly as, like, part of three and four. He was only there for the last back half. Yeah. Watch him, like, disappear next episode, too. Like, they just, they had the Charles episode, and then they, like, will skip him and then maybe come back to him at the end. Yeah. I'm sure Dickie will be there, though. Oh, yeah. Dickie's here. <laughs> He's here to stay. All right. I think the last thing we haven't, like, we touched on this a little bit, but we haven't really dove into is the... The last scene of the episode with Charles and with Elizabeth, um, because this was brutal to watch. <laughs> oh, it was horrible. Um, we know that Elizabeth likes dressing down old men, but she also likes dressing down young men. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, go to bed. Like <laughs> You don't have a voice. Nobody cares what you have to say. Just so brutal. Yeah, she's like an anti-therapist. <laughs> Yeah, like Elizabeth is already at the uh, the Empire Strikes Back stage of her journey. Like she has oh gone God. full on villain. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my, we got so many throwbacks in this episode. We got the throwback to Mary telling Liz that the hardest thing to do is to do nothing, but you just have to do it. You know what? Charles has a beating heart. He can't do nothing. <laughs> he has a character. <laughs> I, li I like how they bring back that like whole motif of like the hardest thing to do is n is nothing when I, I think pretty much everyone watching the show would probably vehemently disagree. Well, the irony here is that this whole this all started because they wanted Charles to do something. <laughs> yeah, I know. He went too far. He went <laughs> and too then far like, to well, doing things. You know what? You should do something, but make it look like nothing. <laughs> like you can't have it both ways. Yeah hate oh these people <laughs> you can't sit down charles at like a family intervention no buts and then be like well <laughs> you did it badly and i think liz calls it out she's like charles are you talking about whales are you talking about yourself <laughs> 
Oh my god. The, I just can't imagine my own. Yeah, that's that's so rough. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I don't know, but it seems like this episode should have ended with Charles abdicating. <laughs> <laughs> I know if Charles abdicates, imagine? things right get then. really hairy really quickly. Yeah. Cuz then we're at Anne who doesn't really want it. Well, no, she can't even do it. It goes to the next male heir. Oh, it still goes to the next male heir at this I point. I think they stopped that. It goes to Andrew. Oh, yes. no. So, Charles, I guess we'll stick with you. Yeah, so. I mean, though, Charles. in this alternate universe, if they. Andrew is, like, Liz is still the queen. Andrew. Charles is abdicated. Andrew is heir apparent, but still not king. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. In this alternate universe, because this is, this is Edward abdicating, right? This goes all the way back. In this alternate but, universe. <laughs> oh, no, okay. No, no, no. How far back no, are you no, going? No, no, no. In this. No, no. No, 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 like, because uh, in this alternate universe, like, Liz and um, and Philip, they only have two kids. They they only need to, because the whole reason they had, like, Andrew and Edward is because they wanted some kids that were just completely outside of the, like, line of succession in, in terms of likelihood. Remember, it was like, they just, they just oh, wanted yeah. to have kids that were just for fun. But like yeah. if in, in this world where, you know, they, they can actually love Charles and Anne and have healthy relationships with them, Andrew and Edward don't need to exist. And, you know, we don't have a bunch of children out there that are traumatized now. But, all right, but well, so then we do get Anne as heir apparent. All right, all right. But here's a wrench in your in the alternate universe. In the alternate universe, do Liz and Phil get divorced? Are they still together? Well, they probably wouldn't have the pressures because there wouldn't be her as queen. So they could get exactly. divorced. But yeah. I don't think they would have wanted. Well, no, to no, get no, divorced. no, no, because 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 Philip is 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 happier in this world too, because he doesn't have to like deal with all of the the nonsense of Elizabeth's uh, you know monarch duties. Okay. Yeah, I think that would work out better for them. They she did say she was so happy in Malta. It, yeah, they're in Malta for <laughs> for years Malta. to come. I lied actually earlier. I said that. Uh, Charles and Liz was the last scene of the episode. The last scene is actually the performance, which Anne goes to, shockingly. She does. She'll go to Cambridge. She won't go to Wales. But not Liz or Phil. They don't care about Charles's acting. I don't think... <laughs> I cannot imagine them even going to Cambridge. Like, they're probably just like, that's a good school. I'm not going to drive out there. Go. <laughs> the way they, like, said when they're like, yeah, Charles acts. They were, like, so <laughs> disgusted. Like, they're just like, What? Well, we know that Elizabeth hates acting. She didn't want to be on TV because she hates actors. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think, yeah, can you imagine just her hatred of Charles just skyrockets when he's like, I want to, I'm going to go be in a play. <laughs> Mummy, I've been cast in a Bond movie. <laughs> Bond, who is Bond? <laughs> um, let's see. Anything else that we missed here in season three, episode six? I missed having characters to root for. <laughs> when did you have those? They've all been like this. Root for Charles for our brief moment. Yeah, while well, I still Charles. can, right? A little bit. Maybe. I don't know. I I haven't seen the show. I mean, root for this young this young child who seems to have actively taught Charles more Welsh than Teddy the all-star tutor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that child was great. Like, for all intents and purposes, right, it looked like Charles wasn't really learning well. She was just learning how to say the words. on the. It was like a bar mitzvah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> Where, like, he's not actually, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. This can be learned phonetically. It shouldn't take three months. 
Well, maybe he was learning the meaning, but I don't know. It just seemed like he was learning how to say everything. But he did a good job. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Ivan, I know you submitted your Kinky Crown Award nominee, but just to be clear. I have another one. Oh, oh. you have another one. Okay. Uh, yes. Please share. What, what, remind me the name of uh, Teddy's wife, Sylvia. Sylvia, Sylvia. yeah. Like uh, so, when when he was breaking the news to her that uh, you know he had to tutor Charles and she was getting all upset over the phone, she I, I don't remember the exact line, but it was something about how like their Welsh nationalism was like the underlying like glue of their entire marriage. <laughs> she did say that, yeah. So I, I mean, yeah, you just gotta wonder what like dirty talk sounds like in Welsh. Oh my god. Um, let's see. I thought the line, it was, I, I did have the Anne Charles moment. That was, that was interesting. Um, it was some line, like whatever it is, a prince like footloose and fancy free does away from home. I thought that was pretty (laughs) kinky. He was thinking some weird stuff there, but, uh, no, Charles just eats in his room. Sounds like he needs to go dancing. Yeah. I mean, I only had the one, um, Charles and Anne moment which was a little weird. Like you saw it in the mirror and then she turns around and she comes back. It was very artful. Yeah. That was all that I had as well. That's probably what I would go so with. So I think it's that, right? I think it's Charles and Anne. Yeah, they won. They yeah. Won. I will yeah. say the, li- the line of the episode for me was this. It would violate every belief in my body. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I love university professors. I know, so dramatic. All right, cool. So that was... The Crown Season 3, Episode 6. Next week, we'll be back to talk about The Crown Season 3, Episode 7, entitled Moondust, as the first man... Oh, there's a typo in the Netflix description. (laughs) Netflix, pick it up. Should I I say it as written? Yeah. As written, please. Okay, as the first man land on the moon, middle-aged Philip feels dissatisfied by his lack of achievement and begins searching for inspiration. Does that not say men? Oh, does it? I, I can't see distance. It's actually a bunch of squiggly lines, but right. I think it says men. Okay, you're correct. I was incorrect. <laughs> There's no typo. I'm just blind. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's very small. <laughs> All right. As the first men land on the moon, middle-aged Philip feels dissatisfied by his lack of achievement and begins searching for inspiration. I'm very excited. I just finished Space Force season two, so this is very timely. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, wait, you're you're the person still watching that show? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's an easy thing to like have on and not pay attention, but I'm a big Jimmy O. Yang fan, so I'll I'll stay, I'll stick with it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. All right, so looking forward to talking about some moon dust. I guess that puts us firmly well, I guess we we're already in sixty nine, but firmly in sixty nine. So in the meantime, Ivan, if people wanna catch up with you on social and hear about all your thoughts on the crown, where can they do that? Uh, you can far- follow me at my handle at firmly in sixty nine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, Carlin, what about you? Twitter <laughs> at Carlin Greenwald and Instagram at Carlin underscore G E E. All right, and you can find me on Twitter at Sir Sam Chung. But the best place to reach us if you have any thoughts on the Crown um, or you know you want to reach out to us is on Twitter at Crown Around Pod. And that's all we've got for you this time. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. And God save the queen. God God save save the the queen. queen.